Well, hello everybody. How you doing? Hope you're ready to sit back and uh, relax and enjoy me rambling on a little bit more about uh, my life, my journey, my thoughts, and uh, hopefully some insights into this life we live, specifically as it pertains to how we connect to the life around us. Because that's been paramount for me much of the way, and especially the last um, 25 or 30 years. Because as you may or may not know, based on whether or not I've mentioned it, um, I've been vegan for 24 years, was vegetarian for a few years before that, and honestly should have been much more highly plant-based from a young age, and I wouldn't have had nearly the challenges, the health challenges that I've had all along, and uh, that a few tiny lingering ones are still nagging at me to this day, which I'm uh, in the midst of figuring out. So nothing epically bad, but, uh, you know, still something. And it's a little bit uh, a sign of the times. Since a lot of people have general health concerns that are quite simply just a byproduct of the food system, of the modern age, of uh, post-industrial revolution. You know, there's pluses and minuses. Who says that? Positives and negatives to, you know, the way we have grown and progressed within our mind, within science, which is, again, just um, something that we think of within our mind about how we connect the world around us. And yet the deeper part for me has always been the feeling how do I feel about how I connect? And of course, that's where veganism comes in, because the ethic of that is compassion. Now, if no one had ever told me I was vegan, gave me a description of ethics, it wouldn't have mattered. I never needed a word or a label to describe it. It's always been just about chasing a feeling. And a feeling about self as connected to the world around me. It's never been an overtly selfish thing. I'm not vegan to say I'm better. I'm not vegan to say I'm healthier. I'm not vegan to say um, anything about myself. Nothing at all. The word actually doesn't have to come up and rarely does between me and others unless it's brought up. And we're out in a situation where there's food and people notice I'm not eating this and I am eating that. Then we can discuss it. And then we might talk about health. Then we might talk about fitness. Then we might talk about a lot of things. We might talk about evolution. Who knows? Lord knows I have probably contemplated almost all of it and done a hell of a lot of research as well and tried to see through it to know when to dismiss certain things and when to um, realize certain things are universal principles, universal truths, whether about our species in specific or about life in general. And again, I, I enjoy knowing things apply to life more generally than just humans because then it's really true as such but we'll get to more of that in time so today i'd like to talk about health matters and give you a brief overview of health and how it relates to a plant-based diet and how some aspects don't or can't because there's a lot of um, stereotypes about things out there and there's a lot of um, misconceptions and there's actually a lot of misinformation regarding how one aspect of uh, health can impact another. And I'd like to dispel those, honestly. So, I'm going to break down very quickly because it doesn't all have something to do with um, 
being a plant eater, I'm going to break down health into three distinct levels because we are three distinct levels of being. We are a spirit in a body with a mind. That's it. You know, I often try and flip the tables on people, especially in the spiritual community, which is something I don't identify with specifically, but which, you know, I'll end up getting grouped into because of what I talk about and the way I talk about it. Because, you know, feeling is an overtly spiritual thing. It's what we're here to do is to feel. And it's our spirit, our essence of being that is at the core of that in every cell of our body, even though the other levels are, no, are equally as important. But we are a spirit in body with mind. And I've learned over the years that we do not have to be as active in our mind, if at all, when it's not necessary. And there's different ways in which we can assess that. And that's the mind level of health. That's where mental health comes in. And mental health has been a challenge for humans ever since we've developed such a strong mind. And within that, an ego, the mind that looks after the mind. And that's just the way we are. We have been this way, obviously, for millennia. Now, the second level of health is our body, the material, the matter that is between the energy that we are, the spirit that we are, and ourselves. It's what gives us a way to express that spirit. It's where the feeling resides. Somewhere in the body is where we feel things. We know this from when we get hurt, when we, when we fall in love, when we just we smell something, we sense something, we see something, we taste something. We feel it in our body. If we didn't have a feeling in our body, we wouldn't be experiencing life. And then the third level is the spirit. Why the heck are we here? Who are we while we're here? What is that feeling of being that is uniquely you? Because we each have it. And I can sense it in people when I meet them. I know who it is within me. doesn't really have a name, even though it goes around being called Steve. And there's nothing wrong with that. The feeling is what's important. And things can go awry on any level through challenges mostly through resistance. And here's a brief overview of what those challenges are. On a spiritual level, an energetic level, if we aren't feeling who we are, if we get so lost that we don't think we know who we are, because we're thinking and not feeling, well then we've got that existential angst, that challenge, that depression of the spirit. The spirit isn't being allowed to be expressed, so it's depressed. Doesn't mean it's overtly sad. Doesn't mean it feels terrible every second of the day. But it can be real, and it can be there dwelling within our, our, our body until we reconcile it. So what resistance is there to that? What's not letting us express ourselves? Well, it can be a variety of things. Mostly it is that feeling of being that we want to express. And because we live in a material world, it's going to come out in certain ways. In this lifetime, I'm a landscaper, a gardener, a musician, now a writer and a speaker, and as long as it's authentic, it feels good. I'm not attached to any one of them specifically because I'm being myself within each one. Those can be labeled as identities, but none of them are distinctly me. You know, the unique package that I am with the spirit inside, that's me. And so everywhere I go, there I am. And I'm deeply aware of that now, and that's unshakable. Now, the second level of being 
is your body. Without the body, there is no being um, in this lifetime, in this form, as a human being. Resistance to that can come in the form of injuries, suffering, genetic challenges, which happens to a very small percent of the population, but it does happen, and it's very real. Some things can't be changed. A lot of things can be changed. A lot about our body can be changed. Have a look at the biology of belief. Have a look at um, the work of Joe Dispenza. Have a look at quite a few other resources on health and diet and balance, some of which I'll be naming specifically, but most of which I leave up to the person to assess You know where you're at. And if you're having problems, just identify where's the resistance and how do you overcome it. The third level of health is mental health because we are a species with a very distinctly strong mind. Our self-conscious mind can think a lot unto itself, within itself. We can just sit here and think. Most other species cannot do that. And even if they can have a level of thinking, they don't dwell. They don't attach to it. They don't create identities for themselves other than what they are. Whereas we do, and we can get so attached to it that we lose sense of that first health matter, our existential health. Why are we here? And what do we want to do while we're here? What's the meaning of our life? To feel like who you are. How do we do that? Express it. So those three things are vitally important. And there's interconnections. And I'm only briefly going to talk about the interconnections because this is something I want to just put out there into your atmosphere so that you have something to contemplate that maybe you haven't had to dwell on before. I sometimes take it a little for granted that I've been and had been contemplating these things for years, many years, if not my entire life since adolescence, somewhere in the background, because I've, I've viewed the world through the lens of feeling. Why do some people feel this way? Why do some people feel that way? Why do some people eat this way, eat that way? Why does this person want to do this job? You know, what makes people tick? This has been the essence of my, my lens without any ego or ulterior motive to just try and understand it from a universal perspective. And this is where I'm at right now, explaining it to you. Because I'm good to go. I know who I am. I also know what I am as a human being on a very deep level. And that's vital. And I'm not attached 100% to an exact specific way that it needs to happen. Because there are different ways depending on time and place. There really is. And I've had certainly my share of challenges along the way. And so today, because this is Tales of a Natural Born Plant Eater, I'll talk about the physical stuff. I'll leave the existential and the mental for another time, another place, or if you want to check it out, another podcast. Illuminating the Disconnect is the name of the other one, where I um, document my journey through and beyond the egocentric mind to um, a deeper feeling of being. Sounds simple, but uh, let me tell you, the journey there was interesting, long, and uh, yet successful. So, ever since I was young, I had some physical challenges. Um, you know, I was born healthy. Everything was fine. Uh, I was very shy as a young age, so I had low-level anxiety, obviously. I didn't know it at the time. I didn't know it till I really started to analyze it about 10 or 12 years ago. But I would have had a low level of anxiety as a child, just being constantly in a state of being shy and being able not to express myself and thinking too much about it. That aspect of my mind, once it got engaged, kept that filter there of being shy 
and I was constantly in a state of assessing what people would think of me, what I should say, if I should say anything, to the point where, you know, I didn't want to say anything, because I often thought it would be wrong, misinterpreted, not smart, or whatever the case may be, so... That probably helped along with my my diet, which was which was okay. Mum did her best um, at, at at cooking food at home most of the time. But of course, I grew up in the in the seventies, primarily for my early childhood, having been born in in sixty seven. And there was more and more processed food introduced to the diet. There's more and more refined food by refined i mean refined sugar refined carbohydrates in the form of you know flours um there was often soda in the house there was um dessert there was sugary products and i will freely admit that for whatever reason i got hooked on them at a young young age much more so than my siblings who were a little bit older and obviously more mature in their diet um not having the the same bent as i did towards sweets and it was tempered by my parents, but it was never, like, excluded. And, you know, that became a crutch for me for a long time was my diet. And it showed. I had very severe allergies when I was young, and I had a lot of cavities, more than anybody I know. And that led to what I'm actually dealing with right now at the age of 54, um, having had 16 fillings in my mouth at one point in time. Um, amalgam filling, so, you know, beautiful mercury, a lovely element, but one that really shouldn't be in the human body, and so I've been detoxing from heavy metal for the last little while. I've still got some work to go on getting that cleared up, but that has led to um, something that's affected me my entire adult life, which was is fatigue and, and headaches, of which I didn't really know the cause until very recently. Again, no one's fault. I grew up in an age where it is what it is, you know. Our parents only know how to do what they know how to do within the framework of what they're told. And we do, for whatever reason, again, I know the reason, we'll explain this in the other podcast, we respect authority. We trust government guidelines. We think people other than ourselves know what's best for us, oftentimes. And so in the 70s, a lot of society drifted away from understanding actual health, you know. If we ate what our grandparents ate, you know, which is really food, it wouldn't have been called organic food because prior to the Industrial Revolution, there was nothing but organic food. Um, we'd all have a better degree of health today. And that's just the way it would be. But, again, the human mind intervened. Profit became a motive. And uh, agriculture became an industry as opposed to a way to feed people so that they'd be able to have a a body with little resistance to expressing how their spirit feels, you see? So I had a lot of resistance as a child. I had brutal allergies. They were overwhelming at times. And I had nosebleeds that came with that because I my allergies were bothering me so constantly and consistently. My no, nose was so stuffed up, I'd blow my nose and a stream of blood would come out half the time. And sometimes it wouldn't stop for what seemed like hours to the point where I did go to the hospital a couple times. My eyes swelled shut a couple times for playing in the field and having so much, you know, pollen in my eyes that I'd go to the hospital, get a shot of adrenaline, um, and clear up my eyes and my breathing. Now, luckily, I never had full-blown asthma, which I'm surprised at because my system was quite backed up. But again, there may have been a genetic factor that ha- that helped me there because my brother ate a bit of a better diet, I'd say, from within the same household, and yet... Um, you know, he had pretty severe asthma growing up. 
Um, he wasn't as active as me. Maybe that was a factor. Again, that is what it is, and we all have to deal with what we have. But I learned that we can deal with it a lot more when we know what it is and what the potential cause was. Now, looking back, for me, causes would have been processed food, too much sugar, and uh, definitely dairy in the diet. I think meat would have, consumption itself would have been very far in the background because at that point, meat wasn't as corrupted as it is now. And I'm not trying to say everyone should go eat clean meat because I'm still not on board with the agricultural system. But people that you know hunt wild meat for real somewhere in the wilderness where their survival depends on it, that's probably not the absolute worst situation in the world. Life is allowed to do that. We're allowed to survive. Every life form is allowed to. Just like if the hunter is hunting and gets mauled by a bear, fair game. That's life. Human life is no more or less important than any other, but there is a connection. And for me, the connection was always, how do I feel? What's necessary? I didn't feel. I felt okay growing up as a human being. I liked myself. I didn't like being shy. I didn't like having allergies. And even beyond all that, I felt pretty good. I played sports. I was uh, pretty good at a lot of things. I enjoyed my friends in, in small groups. I uh, enjoyed certain hobbies and activities. So with all that going on, I made the best of it. And my family was pretty good at allowing me to do that, honestly. So kudos. But as you can imagine, since I didn't have much choice about my diet, really, it just kept getting worse into my teenage years. And I ended up with some pretty severe acne in high school and being a shy person and being self-conscious already for actually no good reason other than being shy. <laughs> Adding uh, acne to that just ain't good. I had no connection between that and diet. In high school, I was eating ice cream and pizza and snacking and all the good things. And, you know, I enjoyed the food I ate for the most part. So, you know, food itself is... Uh, a double-edged sword because our feelings tell us something tastes good and our, our tastes tell us that, but we're not wise enough to understand the impact or the, uh, the bigger picture, which uh, I've had to analyze for years afterwards to undo a lot of that damage. So having that acne, I ended up having um, going to the dermatologist and they do what they do. You know, antibiotics, I believe it was tetracycline, pretty heavy dose that dried me out, got rid of the acne, but dried me out like around my nose, my lips, my skin, my my scalp for years, for years and years and years. And yet, uh, you know, I dealt with it. Onward I go, still with the allergies, still doing my thing. Then I um, end up in university where I start thinking more about myself because I'm living on my own. You know, what am I going to eat? What am I going to buy? What food should I have? You know, I wasn't thinking diet as far as making me feel better. I started thinking about the world around me. And I was living off campus in a house with um, four girls, not as glamorous as it sounds for a shy guy. It was just comfortable because I find being around uh, the feminine more comforting. So that just happened to work out and it did work out well. And these four girls were all studying to be veterinarians, so animals. They loved animals and they wanted to be involved with them and help them. And I thought that was fantastic. And one of them, uh, who ended up being my first partner, was vegetarian and so I was exploring what the heck is that and she told me her parents who were from England had been brought up vegetarian and you know kindness to animals they knew of the group PETA people for the ethical treatment of animals 
that was the first time I saw a PETA flyer and started reading about it. And a lot of it kind of just clicked. It was one of those moments where I read things and I was like, holy crap, that just makes sense. Why do we do this to animals when we don't need to? And it wasn't about it being overtly spiritual or virtuous. It was for me, the, the idea has always been compassion is efficiency. It's about not harming anything when you don't have to. It's about connecting so there's mutual benefit for both parties, whether they're two humans, a human and a tree, a human and a life form, some other life form, animals, what is necessary. And so I started learning. I started feeling different. I started being vegetarian. I started cutting meat out because with vegetarianism, that's the first step. That's the first connection. Um, Because vegetarianism, as you're probably aware, can still involve milk, um, cheese, obviously, byproduct of milk, uh, honey, things that aren't overtly the death of an animal. Although, as I'm going to explain later, I'm going to describe how certain things, milk, for example, primarily, in my opinion, is far more damaging to an animal and to the animal community than meat consumption is when the meat consumption is not necessary and and not natural. Because we, yeah, I'll explain that another time. But I started learning about these things and I started cutting out certain all the meat and certain other things. I wanted to temper my milk consumption and whatnot, but you know, part of the reason for my bad allergies again, the food, the dairy. I was drinking milk three times a day probably. Love chocolate milk. Now the interesting thing is, from the time I was young, I did not like the taste of milk straight up unless it was really cold. And then I would drink it quickly. I don't think I ever even told my family this when I was young, but I found the the after mucusy taste in the back of my mouth disgusting for as long as I can remember. Same with cheese. Never really, really liked it and sought it out. We actually once did a trip out west where we were on a farm of, I think it was a cousin or, or a relative of some sort. And of course, they wanted us to have farm fresh milk. And my dad wanted me to try it. And I was so disgusted by even smelling it, by knowing where it came from. And believe me, I didn't know anything of veganism, vegetarianism at the time. My natural reaction was just, that's disgusting. And I wouldn't drink it. And I've had that reaction to a lot of things that people have tried to get me to eat over the years, just on a visceral level. I'm like, nope, that's not food for me. Not going to do it. And again, that's where the natural born plant eater idea came from, is that, uh, you know, I've never had a predisposition to anything but not harming. And of course, if you go down that road, the consequence is not being involved in consuming animals or animal agriculture or even traditional agriculture for plants in some instances. But back to the story, transitioning to vegetarianism, um, it was a little bit difficult at first because I was very stuck on my modalities. I'm a creature of habit, just like most of us are. When I left home, what did I do? I cooked meals much like my mother would have prepared. Or I bought pre-bought meals and heated them up. Not the healthiest thing in the world, but you know what? It worked for a young man. So trying to figure out his way. But that was the seed that I needed at that time, was I was trying to find my way. And that was one of the first times in my life second to having decided to go to school for agriculture in the first place after ditching business school. Um, you know, taking something into my own heart and my own hands because it felt right. That was what going vegetarian and then eventually deciding on veganism as the true expression of vegetarianism, you know, ethical um, consumption 
with regards to animals and how they're treated, that was that felt good. I didn't know how I was going to get there, how I was going to remain healthy. At first, I was one of those people. I didn't know how I was going to get the protein because all I thought was meat equals protein and um, all the dogma that goes with it. Again, you can't know if you don't know any different. So I was honestly a little fearful. I wasn't scared for more mortality, but I was wondering how healthy I was going to be, how strong I was going to be. But at some point, as I've documented, I knew I had to do it. And so that was it. It became an easy path, especially when I chose vegan. It became a very easy path because I just knew the ethic was first and I'd figure out how. And I also knew I wasn't alone. I had done enough research to know, you know, millions of humans around the world are vegan or have an extremely high plant-based diet based on their culture, the way they're brought up, economy, because it's very inexpensive to live off the land with certain plants and crops, which have always been part of cultures, rice and beans and, and yams and sweet potatoes and potatoes and wheat and bread. You know, a lot of our eating is innately plant-based anyway, because it's the easiest way, the easiest connection to eating. And probably the way we evolved out of the tropics, you know, just picking the food off of the land, out of the trees. It would have been easy. Every other species do that. They live in an environment where it provides them everything they need. And so the environment tends to be limited because that's where their food is and they don't venture out of it. Now, we learned the capacity to venture outside of anything that could be called a natural environment eons ago by being able to think so deeply and so self-consciously about changing the natural world, you know, planting a seed, taking agriculture with us instead of eating where the food is. Again, a story for another day. But once I decided to become vegan, that part was easy. The decision was easy. Knowing I would rather live and die with that decision was easy because, you know, it's not hard to find food in the world. It's not hard. There's a lot of food. There's almost too much food, too much variety of food when actually a simple diet is almost always opti- optimal and if you look at the blue zones and cultures that thrive they usually have a pretty simple straightforward diet and you know the interesting thing is after i became vegan my allergies started getting better the nosebleeds had gone away stomach and digestive problems started getting much much better along with the stress i had had reduced in my life not being shy and also ending my first relationship where I wasn't as satisfied with myself or the relationship as I know I should have been and where I didn't see a future, an honest future with the person I was with. As soon as I made that decision in 1996, New Year's Eve, to be happy and make myself do the work that would be necessary to do that, again, not in a selfish way, in an honest existential way, to be happy, which really honestly is more just satisfied. Once I made those decisions, along with the diet, a whole bunch of things changed and my health started improving too something I hadn't wanted or counted on I thought I was going to be allergic to things for life just as earlier in life I thought I was going to be shy for life but if I can show you anything through this podcast and the other one it's that you have a lot of power and control over your states of being all three that I described and they all do have a connection with each other because I want to tell you Just changing your diet and being happy with your ethic on that level isn't going to clear your mind 100% and get rid of that existential angst about why you're here. Because I still had those problems and challenges 
after my diet had become quite good, quite clean, digestion was good, allergies gone, you know, they've been gone for a good 10 or 12 years now. Whereas, you know, I would sneeze if I went into a house with a cat, five seconds into the house, I'd be like, you have a cat, don't you? (laughs) And uh, now it's cats crawl all over me, I go home and I'm just fine. Because my immune system is balanced, my health is good, and I don't, uh, my body doesn't need that response anymore. So you can change a lot of how you feel. And I want to empower you to know that. And I want to help you with specifics. Now, the existential part, go check out Illuminating the Disconnect to get to know your deeper self. The mind-based part, same thing. The other podcast addresses that a lot. In this one, I'll just say with regards to the mind, using your mind in a decisive way to do what you want to do and what you feel you need to do perhaps puts your mind at rest. And then you just carry out the steps and the actions needed. Example being, you know, when I decided to be vegan, I looked down at meat in the frying pan for the last time and I said, that's it, can't do it anymore. When I made a decision, any stress and anxiety about that part of it went away. And in fact, it became exciting after that because then I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I know I'm going to do it. It's like a quote by Nietzsche, given, given a meaningful why, you will figure out how. That's not the exact quote, but that's the gist. If you know why you want to do something, you'll, you'll figure out how. And that day, that's exactly what I did. And that problem, that challenge within me went away. Now my thinking about other things, bigger picture things, why am I here at all? Bothered me for a long time until I kind of took care of that in 2014. And that's well documented on the other podcast because that's an amazing experience that I had and that's given me a continual inner sense of peace and freedom ever since then and made it um, interesting to deal with life even when there's challenges because it's very easy to deal with them knowing who you are, what you are, and uh, what meaning you will ascribe to how you want to live this life. So for me, being vegan, if you want to use that label, plant-based, because that's an adequate description of what it actually is, deriving my nutrients and my sustenance, my clothing, my whatever I can kind of control from non-animal-based or resources is optimal. And I um, can live with that, knowing there's always going to be something I can't control that is going to be a part of the equation in this life. And that's a discussion for another day, how simplifying things takes a lot of things out of the equation, gives you less to think about, gives you more ease within your mind. I'll go over some more of the health challenges that I've had and overcome in, an, in, in another episode. Some very specific things and some very interesting things that uh, you'll want to know about with regards to what you have control of. And some things that I'm going to tell you you might not have control over that you need outside help with, which you always will. You know, I implore you, if you are having health challenges, go see your doctor. Go see your naturopath. I'm lucky I have a naturopath who is a doctor. So he's got his foot in both worlds, does the requisite testing, talks very matter-of-factly. He isn't vegan, but he understands where I'm coming from. So when he suggests um, a supplement or something that I need, he's aware of which one to give me so that, you know, I'm taking something that wouldn't bother me either physically by having, you know, milk products in it or ethically by being something I wouldn't want to condone. And we communicate on that level and I don't try and convince him of something. He doesn't try and convince me of anything. He knows what he's doing. I know me. I know what I'm doing, being me. 
And so I want to empower you to, to uh, know that there's help out there on every level. Hopefully I'm some of that help. Ask me specific questions anytime you want to. And hopefully I can address them. Or if I'm not qualified, which on many levels I'm not, um, refer you to material I've used or people I know of or just the um, type of person you should be consulting for the specific challenge that you're having. Because trust me, the help is out there and there's an answer for just about everything. And without being dogmatic or preachy about it, I still have yet to see any health solution that cannot be resolved through uh, a plant-based diet or a plant-based remedy other than actual physical things that require surgery, something genetic that um, is beyond uh, your capacity. So I'll stop rambling for now. And thank you for listening, for being engaged and involved, for being interested in trying to find your optimal health in the world without compromising the health of the world around you any more than we have to. Take care. Friends, if you'd like to support the podcast and support this guy, Steve Willat, in doing this full-time, it doesn't take much. Steve is here just to do this, primarily, and also just to eat, sleep, and interact with the other humans and other life on a day-to-day basis. I want nothing from this life that I don't have right now. And so any money I get in excess of that will always go back into helping in whatever way I'm able to contribute. And you can contribute to an account that I have set up at LibraPay, L-I-B-E-R-A-P-A-Y, under the name Steve Alat, capital S-T-V-E, capital A-L-L-A-T. Or you can also find me on PayPal under my email address, steve at illuminatingthedisconnect.com, and at Stripe, using the same email. If you have any questions, Send me an email, steve at illuminatingthedisconnect.com. I would love to hear from you and uh, respond in kind. Take care.